So getting into my message today, um, how many of you had a great Christmas? You had a great Christmas? Good. Hopefully you had uh, lots of fun. Hopefully you didn't put on too much weight. Too late. We, I just got to say, we went to Texas to my dad's place, and praise God, my wife cooked. You know how they say, you, you get past Alexandria, and pe- people forget how to cook, right? I mean, it just, just they go blank. And, and my wife brought a shrimp and crab gumbo, and then my dad was going to make the potato salad, and by the grace of God, my wife heard him and said, no, I'll make it for you. And so we had a great Christmas felt like home didn't have to eat any bad food and so it was all good so hopefully you had a great christmas hopefully you had an advent type of christmas where you had love and joy and and you had the peace of god hopefully you didn't have a stressed out kind of christmas i was praying for you hoping that you would have an advent type of christmas and so uh how many of you tired of christmas right now let's just be honest this morning let me say i had enough of christmas except for the break from work right so you're probably tired of Christmas talk. You're probably tired of Christmas music. It was like after Christmas Day, the radio stations were still playing Christmas music. And I was just like, oh, gosh. Is that wrong? No? Okay. All right. Thank you. I feel better now. But you're probably tired of Christmas music. You're probably tired of Christmas food. And you're probably tired of Christmas messages. So today I'm not going to preach a Christmas message. Thank you. You're welcome. But I am going to talk about Mary today. Because I had this thought this week about Mary. And I don't know why. Maybe the Holy Spirit just put it on my mind. But I was thinking about Mary pretty much the whole Christmas holiday. And just what was it like to be Mary? I mean, what was it like to actually give birth to the Savior of the world? I mean, think about the pressure she was under. Don't drop him. I mean, like, for real. Don't drop him. Don't underfeed him. Don't overfeed him. Think about that. She was was trusted with the Savior of the world. And I'm going, man, that's pretty cool. But pretty heavy at the same time. And so, man, there's... I just had this thought, there's something about Mary. And I was like, what is it about Mary that made her so special? So I want to talk to you about Mary today. Number one, I want to to give you this point. Point number one is this, that God chose Mary. Mary didn't choose God. Mary didn't pray to be the mother of the Savior. It wasn't her prayer life. It wasn't her request. As far as we know, she never even thought she was going to be the one. But all of a sudden, one day... An angel appears. Go with me to Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. It says this, that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. So imagine this. Put yourself in that place. She's, in, she's engaged to be married to a guy named Joseph, which is fine. He actually comes through the lineage of King David, which is important. And one day an angel appears and says, you, <laughs> good morning, favored one. 
I might need a wardrobe change after that one. I mean, come on. An angel of the Lord appears to you and says, good morning, favored one. Out of the blue. She wasn't ready for that. She wasn't prepared for that. She didn't wake up in the morning and say, oh, the angel's coming today. The angel showed up and he greeted her. Now, I believe Mary has gotten a bad rap over the years. I know personally I've given Mary a hard time. And the reason I've given Mary a hard time is because there's certain denominations that push Mary so hard that they push her actually in front of Jesus. And their whole doctrine is built on Mary. Mary's going to save you. Mary's going to do this. Mary's going to do and I'm going to know that's just not right. That's out of order. So Mary kind of got a bad rap from me for years. But when you look at it and you think about Mary, Mary's actually pretty cool. In fact, Mary's one of my new heroes in the faith. Because God chose her to give birth to the Savior of the world, his own son. Man, that's a big deal. So I see Mary differently today than I did before. God chose Mary. Mary didn't choose God. She found favor with God. And, and, and the only thing I can find that would give us some kind of indication that maybe she had something that God wanted to use was the fact that she was engaged to Joseph. That's the only thing we can say that, well, maybe God chose her because she was engaged to Joseph. Why is that important? Because Joseph was in the line of David. And, and, and Old, Old Testament said that, that Jesus was going to come through the line of David. That, that's the only thing as far as I know. And the Bible also says she was a virgin, which is a good plus. Right? All of a sudden, God chooses to use Mary. Unexpectedly and without any warning. And I want you to get something from that. And it's this, that God chose you. Some of us, our testimonies sound like this. You know, I, I, I came to God. And I found God. And I, I did this to come into this relationship with God. And that's just not true. Because somebody drew you to God. The Bible says, if you go with me to John chapter 15, it says this, verse 60, it says, You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. You didn't choose me, I chose you. All you really did when God chose you was surrender. Because otherwise you could say that you came to God on your own terms. You see, if Mary would have been praying to be the mother of the Savior of the world, and it would have happened, then she'd have had a little bit of, a little skin in the game. You follow what I'm saying? She'd have had a little bit of ownership in the game. But she didn't. She was unexpected. And God chose her. So verse 16 says that you didn't choose me, I chose you. Watch what Jesus says. He says, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for. You see, it's, it's pretty cool that Jesus chooses us. God chose us. He called us. And all we have to do is surrender and trust. I'm going somewhere with this. Just surrender and trust. and just, It's basically just a giving up of my rights, saying, God, I trust you. I surrender to this calling that you're calling me with. I'm, I'm, I'm giving in to you. To me, it was, a re- it was a revelation that I've done so much damage on my own, I really needed somebody else to drive the boat. You follow me? 
I mean, I've, I, I was going backwards, wide open, quickly. So we get to make a choice. Number two, God trusted Mary. Look at verse 29. Watch what it says. Confused and disturbed, Mary, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of Man, the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. So the angel reveals to Mary what's getting ready to happen. And in doing that, he's telling Mary that I trust you, that God trusts you. I wonder how Mary felt when the angel said, you are favored with God. You see, we don't know how to act when people encourage us because we don't get enough encouragement. I I really believe that. We don't don't give enough encouragement. I, I believe we don't receive enough encouragement. I've realized that you can do more with encouragement than you can with correction and discipline and all those other things. Sometimes we got to encourage people to be what they're going to be. Amen? You found favor with God. An angel of the Lord says to Mary, you found favor with God. And she goes, well, how can this be? I'm but a virgin. God trusted Mary. John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friend since I have told you everything the father told me. The reason God said to Mary, I trust you, or the way that he said that I trust you is by giving her the plan. Are you seeing this? God's not going to give you a plan if he can't trust you with it. The angel gave her the plan. You're going to give birth to a son and he's going to do this and he's going to do that and he's going to, he's going to reign and all these other things. And by doing that, God was saying to her, I trust you. He chose her by identifying her. Then secondly, he trusted her by giving her the plan. Jesus said, you, a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Somebody's slave mentality needs to die today. Somebody serving Jesus because you have to, not because you want to. You see, there's a difference. There's a major difference in serving God and serving Jesus because you have to or because you want to. You see, it's real special when my son does something for me because he wants to. It's not nearly as fun when he has to. Are you with me? I mean, if he just goes take the garbage out without me having to tell him, and I'm blessed. His mama's blessed. Because that means he wanted to. Now, it might also mean that he wants something, but we're getting there, right? I mean, come on, we're, we're, we're going down the road. We're making progress. I mean... But the funny thing is, we're the same way with God. We'll act right just because we want to get something from God. 
But Jesus said, you're no longer slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friend since I have told you everything the father told me. Man, can you get that? Can you really just get that, that you are a friend with Jesus? Come on, somebody. You're a friend with Jesus. You're a friend of God. Man, that's special privilege. You can't earn that. You can't buy that. God trusted Mary by giving her the plan. He gives the plan only to those he trusts. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1 real quick. It'll be up on the screen if you didn't bring your Bible. It's okay. I wish you'd bring your Bible. Maybe if I stop putting it on the screen, you'll start bringing your Bible. Ephesians chapter 1, go with me to verse 4. I'm going to read a little bit, and I want you to see this. I, I I got a plan for the second point, and I want you to see this. Verse 4 says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. In other words, he enjoyed doing it. Verse 6, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. You need to underline that praise and glory to God. Verse 13 says, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. So he gave us the Holy Spirit to guarantee the inheritance we're going to receive and also as a proof of purchase. It's proof that he purchased you, right? That's why you got the Holy Spirit. It's to be, it's, to, it's so that you, you have a guarantee that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive the inheritance that he has for me. And I'll also have a proof of purchase that I've been purchased by God. Are you with me? Now watch the last part. He said, it says this. So he did all of this. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Second time he said that. First he said it about the Jews, then he said it about all of us. So God, through Jesus, did all of these things. He set us free from sin. He cleansed us. He gave us freedom. He gave us all these things, an inheritance. We're now, we're now family. We've been adopted. We belong to the king. He prepared a place for us at the table, at the banquet. Come on, you, you got a seat in the house. 
Get you wound a little bit at a time. He did all that. Gives you the Holy Spirit. And he says, in return, I want praise and glory. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems a little lopsided to me. Seems like we might be getting the better end of the deal. And the crazy thing is, is that he gave it to us before we ever, ever gave him anything. Isn't that funny how God does that? He gives you something before you can even try to deserve it. Because he trusts you. You know what's crazy is God trusts us more than we trust him. He's better to us than we are to him. He loves us more than we love him. He says, I'm doing all this. So that you'll give me praise and glory. And I go, what's up with God? I mean, is he like this praise and glory junkie? I mean, what's what's the deal? Why is he so in love with praise and glory? So I said to myself, self, this is why. God loves praise because he wants people to see him. He wants people to know him. He wants people to recognize that the good things in your life came from him. He wants people to hear the praises coming to him. Because you see, it's contagious. You know, what's funny is when you get around people that really know how to praise it, it makes you a little uncomfortable. And the reason that is is because they're at a place of praise that you're not. And you go, "Eh, this don't feel too good. Don't worry, you're going to get it. Seriously. And then he says, I want you to give me glory. If you remember last week's message, there was a point. God gave me this phrase, and he gave it to me again last night. He said, said, tell him, remind him of what I said last week about, we were talking about fruit. And I made this statement that God gets the glory when we get the fruit. Are you with me? God gets glory when we get fruit. That's the reason the Bible's constantly talking about producing fruit. Even in John 15, Jesus says, I, 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 start praying in tongues in a minute. Maybe I'm supposed to read it. He says, you didn't chose, choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit jesus appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit why does he just want you to be fruity no he wants people to see that there's something different about you he wants them to see that you were once spiritually dead and now you're spiritually alive you weren't producing anything but dead branches until you got connected to the vine and when you got connected to the vine all of a sudden this fruit comes out of you called love joy peace patience kindness gentleness and self-control by the way, which there's no law against. I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a Christian yet that's broken because they had too much fruit. But he wants you to produce fruit. And it's amazing that that's the kind of fruit that he wants you to produce. You know why? Because that's the kind of fruit the world needs to eat from. But if there's not enough fruity people around, then people can't eat from the fruit. So when people see you, 
And they always remember what you used to be, right? Do you ever have to go and remind people of your past? <laughs> nope. They know in detail. They know everything you've done. But when they see the contrast of you producing fruit from what you used to be, they know better than to say it's you because they know you. And you've never produced anything good on your own. Right? But because you're connected to the vine and you've got the Holy Spirit in your life, you're now producing this thing called fruit. And it's making people that are watching your life draw their eyes from you up to him because they start asking the question, what is it about them? What they got that I don't have? Was it just that they quit drinking? Is that why they act so much better? Was it that they gave up this or that? Is that why? Is it because they they get dressed up and go to church on Sunday? No. Going to church on Sunday don't produce fruit. What is it about those people? What's changed them? What's made them different? You know, I kind of like being around them. Can we go hang out with Jamie and Cheryl? You don't want to hang out with us? Well, why? Because your fruit tastes good. <laughs> that sounded weird, but it has a good meaning to it. So God, in return for all the good things that he's given us, wants praise and glory. The question is, is are you going to open your mouth and begin to praise him? And are you going to let the Holy Spirit produce fruit in your life so that he can get the glory? He's already done his part. He's already given you an inheritance. He's already given you freedom. He's already forgiven you of your sins. He's already adopted you, brought you into the house, got you a seat at the table. Come on. He's got a guarantee on your life. You belong to him. He gave us our identity in the Holy Spirit. So I had this thought last night. If I have a praise and a glory problem, that means I have an inheritance and purchase problem. Why don't people praise God like they should? Why don't we give him glory like we should? Why is that? You ever ask that question? Maybe it's because we don't believe we are who he says we are. Maybe it's because we don't believe that he's actually done what he said he's going to do. Maybe we have a trust issue. (laughs) You see, when you read the scriptures and you believe them for what they are, it should change you. People should be coming to Christ by the droves because of your life. Because of your fruit. Because of your trust in him. Let me show you what happened with Mary. Number three, God used Mary. Go go back to Luke chapter one. Mary did something I thought was pretty cool. 
Luke 1, verse 35. You getting something yet? Verse 35 says, So the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Because remember, Mary just asked, How is this, this going to happen? I'm a virgin. He said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say, used to say, she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded. Watch this. You need to underline this. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. So what do you do with the understanding that God loves you? What do you do with the fact that he's given you an inheritance and he's purchased you with the Holy Spirit? What do you do when you realize you've been forgiven of your sins and washed clean? And you now have a seat at the table and you've been adopted. What do you do? How do you respond? You need to respond like Mary responded. May it be. I'm the Lord's servant. I don't deserve this. Mary realized she didn't do anything to earn it, anything to deserve it, anything to get it on her own. She, was even, she wasn't even aware that it was going to happen. God chose her and decided to trust her and then to use her. And she was overwhelmed by that to the point that she was like, may it be. And I believe some of us today need to have that moment with God where we just go, let it be. Let it be. May it be what you've said. Use me, God. I surrender. May it be. So when the angel tells her how it's going to happen, it shows us that God's going to use her. He's going to use her. How is he going to use her? The Holy Spirit's going to come upon her. And the power of God's going to overshadow her. So go with me to Acts chapter 1. Because the same thing's going to happen to us. How's Mary going to do this? She's but a virgin. How's Mary going to give birth to a Savior? She's a virgin. She's engaged to be married. He didn't say you need to go sleep with Joseph. He didn't say you need to go do this and that. He said it's going to happen to you. You got to get this. How's it going to happen to Mary? By the Holy Spirit. How are you going to produce fruit? By the Holy Spirit. How are you going to live out that inheritance and live like a child of the king? By the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 says this. Once when he was eating with them... He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses Telling people about me everywhere. God wants to use you to tell other people about him. 
I can't say it any more simple than that. God wants to use you to tell people everywhere about Jesus. And it's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You don't have to go out and drum up business. You don't have to be a good salesman. It's going to come upon you. You got to get this. Some people want to go to other countries to preach the gospel, but they won't preach the gospel at home. They'll go to Africa and preach their guts out, but they won't preach their guts out in Eunice. I wonder if that's because they don't have a reputation in Africa and they're only going to be there a couple days, but they got to live in Eunice. Just wondering. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses. You know what that tells me? That the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and this uncontrollable power is going to come out of your life that just says, I got to tell somebody about this. I got to tell somebody about what I just got. You see, the thing that, that, that intrigues me about Mary is that Mary was so excited about what she got. It was undeserved, unearned. It was just freely given to her. God chose her. He, she didn't choose him. It was just something that he decided to do in her life. And when she realized that, she couldn't earn it. She couldn't deserve it. She just had to walk with it. She just threw up her hands and said, Lord, may it be what you say it is. And then she goes on living her life. It's simple. It's not complicated. You don't have to now go to theology school. You don't have to go and study this and you don't have to go study that. You just go about doing what you normally do. You know what Mary did after this? Mary got up and she went to see Elizabeth because Elizabeth was barren and she's six months pregnant. So she goes to visit Elizabeth. She walks in the room and greets Elizabeth. The baby jumps. Elizabeth gets filled with the Holy Spirit. This great thing happens. And then immediately after that, Mary starts to sing a song of praise. It wasn't on the top ten. She didn't have it written out. It came out of her. Praise is something you don't have to manufacture. Praise is something that's the result of something else. Praise is the result of realizing what God has done in you, through you, and for you, and how much he loves you, and it so affects you that something's got to come out. You can't hold it inside. It'll kill you. Are you with me? It needs to come out. I believe if you don't let it out, it's going to eventually die. I'm not talking about being more religious. I'm not talking about making the Christianese statements. I'm talking about a real time, real life kind of praise. The kind where people say, man, what's up with you? Christmas must have been good for you. You got a smile on your face. Man, nothing to do with Christmas. Had everything to do with Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. You can't hold it back. It's out of the abundance of your heart. Your mouth begins to speak these praises unto God. Not religious. The world's tired of hearing those religious statements. I'm tired of hearing those religious statements. I love hearing real stories. I see people give real praise to a real God. And it's coming out of the abundance of their heart. They may not use the right word. They might not use proper grammar. That makes it even better. In my book, it makes me feel good. God used Mary 
God wants to use us. I find it funny in Luke that as soon as Mary makes that statement, may it be or may it come true what you said about me. The very next part of that, it says the angel, then the angel left her. I believe your purpose is waiting on your response. Some of you have been non-responsive for too long. You read your Bible. You can read it daily. You read all these things, and you hear all these things. You've been in church your whole life, but you've never responded. It's kind of like when your wife tells you that something's broken in the house. It's like the fifth thing since you were off that's broken. And you're sitting there, and you're just like... And she's in the other room going, he's not going to respond to that. Aren't you going to say anything about that? What you going to do about that? And you're sitting there just stewing. If you're like me, you're processing how you can get out of this situation. Can Ethan fix it? You're just non-responsive. And when you're non-responsive, nothing happens. Mary gives a response, and the angel's done. Where'd he go? He went to put the plan in action. His job was done. Are you seeing this? It's waiting on your response. Some of you need to respond to Jesus today. You need to start this year right and respond to Jesus and say, Lord, I blew 2015. I was too quiet. Are you seeing this? So what is it about Mary? What is that thing about Mary? And this is the whole point. I guess all that wrapped up into this. It's number four. Mary was responsible with Jesus. You go back to thinking about her caring for him as a baby and even as a child, a toddler. Even as a young child, at the age of 12, she lost him. They lost him for three days. Anybody lose their child for three days? They lost him, but they found him. And he was busy. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He was just busy doing his father's work. And Mary made a mistake. She lost track of Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Good thing he was led by the Spirit at a young age. She lost him, but then she got up and she kept being responsible. And you're going to make mistakes and you're going to lose Jesus from time to time. And you're going you're gonna to distance yourself from him. And you're not going to be close to him. And you're not going to praise him and give him glory at times. I'm not saying that's okay. I'm just saying that that's what's going to happen to you every now and then. But the question is, is how fast are you going to get back into that relationship? How fast are you going to become responsible again with Jesus? Because you've been given Jesus. The Bible says that he lives inside of us. What are you doing with him? Are you being responsible with him? Does God trust you? He definitely wants to use you.
So how will you respond today? How have you been with Jesus? Where's your relationship with him at? Where is it at today? Let's just stop for a moment and just take a serious evaluation. Where's your relationship with Jesus? Has some things come up that become a distraction? Is there some events that happened that have pulled you away from him? Did you just get lazy and complacent? Where are you at with Jesus today? Because I believe this, Christianity is not supposed to be boring. A relationship with the living God is not supposed to be boring. It's supposed to be adventuresome. It's supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be this anticipation of what's he going to do tomorrow. There should be some tailgate talk going on. And man, Jesus did this and he showed up here. Not just, man, I got this revelation from the Bible and I got this. Oh, this is great. That's great. But where does the rubber meet the road? Where do you actually put that revelation into play? Where are you at today with Jesus? Where are you at? You may be fine. Everything may be great. Praise God. I'm happy for you. I really am. Keep going. Are you having a hard time this morning believing that you're a child of God? Are you having a hard time believing that he actually loves you this much? Maybe you're having a hard time receiving the fact that you've been adopted. And that he actually wants you. So I want you to stand up with me this morning. I want to give you a chance to respond. Something about Mary. I guess if you look at it all, Mary, the only thing Mary really did is just said, okay. She just said, okay. I believe you. I trust you. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for Mary being a hero of the faith. I thank you, Lord, that she didn't do anything to deserve what you gave her. I thank you, Lord, that by simply trusting you, Lord, you fulfilled your purpose in her life.